holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast right here on arseblog.oleole.com. Hope we find you well this Friday. There are some subtle differences between this week's Arsecast and last week's Arsecast. One subtle difference is that this Arsecast is about completely different stuff than last week's. So that is quite subtle and I know you wouldn't have uh, realized that unless I'd mentioned it. Uh, the second subtle difference is that it's shorter or possibly longer. It's certainly not the same length as last week's. It's not like I planned this. You know the way... I remember when I went to radio college... Radio college, it sounds... I did a diploma in uh, broadcasting and journalism and all that kind of thing. And they used to say, Now, you're going to be a radio producer today and you're going to produce this radio program. Now, you have to do at a time thingy. What did they... Time sheet? Maybe that's what it was called. I can't remember. Um, A running order. That's what it was. See? Even 20 years later... As the blogette is on the verge of going to the very same college that I went to, following in my footsteps. So it's all a bit weird, let me tell you. But anyway, I haven't lost it or forgotten it. <clears throat> Not much anyway. And they get you to do a running order. So you're sitting there going, right, uh, intro jingle, 21 seconds. Presenter talks for uh, 42 seconds. Piece of music. And you had to do it for like an hour, a whole hour show. I was always of the opinion, can't we just fucking make it up as we go along? That would be much easier. They were having none of that, really. No such thing as improv in radio. Not really. Not anymore, anyway. Uh, anyway, I seem to have strayed from the point, which was... I've forgotten the point. Oh, another subtle difference. Is that um, tomorrow we have a game of football that we're actually interested in. Whereas last week... Nobody was interested in the game of football that was on Saturday. Not not one person. I refuse to accept that anybody could have been interested in that football. Tomorrow, real football is back, and that is good. Last week, we were in the, the height of the interlull, and it was the lulling, the lullingest, inter, that's difficult to say, the lullingest interlull that I can remember for a long time. But as I've just proven to you, my memory isn't necessarily that great. I tend to live in the moment as much as possible. You know what I mean? Remembering stuff takes an awful lot of work. But anyway, uh, on the show this week, I seem to have been waffling a little bit here. On the show this week, I'll be chatting in just a few moments' time uh, to Alex Finn, who is the co-author of Arsenal, The Making of a Modern Super Club. He was with us uh, last uh, last season at some stage, and uh, he's back today uh, to talk about uh, Arsenal, boardroom, Arsene Wenger, transfers, all kinds of stuff. Uh, not only that, Alex has been kind enough to give us three copies 
of the book to give away. Uh, the book, of course, is co-written uh, with Kevin Witcher, who is the editor of The Gooner. Uh, not only that, though, not only do we have three copies of the book to give away, those three copies are signed by Arsene Wenger, which is pretty damn cool. So thank you very much to Alex and Kevin uh, for providing that. And uh, I'll give you details of how you can win those books a little bit later on in the show. Um, what else have we got? Some uh, poetry from Tony Adams. We do. Uh, Sylvester's in the house. We'll be looking ahead to the Manchester City game, the injury news, and it's not great. It has to be said, but we'll we'll deal with that a little bit later in the show. So that's all to come between now and the end. So, uh, what's happened since the last Arscast? Uh, let me think. There was no. Um. Oh, what about no? <coughs> or oh no. Nothing has happened. That's right. Nothing. Because it was stupid bloody fucking internationals on. Which have been costly to us. In a way. Which we'll come to later. It was all tied in with that injury news. Interminable and boring. England have qualified for the World Cup. Spain have qualified for the World Cup. Ireland beat Cyprus. Woohoo. They also beat South Africa, apparently. I didn't even know they were playing South Africa. 1-0. Really exciting. I, you know. No wonder international football is the jewel in the crown of the game we all love. Look at all the exciting stuff that happens when it's on. So basically, since the last hours cast, absolutely fuck all has happened. Of any consequence whatsoever that we're going to deal with now. We've, there's a bit towards the end of the show, but I don't want to spoil that bit. I've got, yeah. Um, so let's not dwell on the nothing and deal with the the something, the bits that we do have, and introduce today's guest, who is uh, the co-author, as I said, of Arsenal: The Making of a Modern Super Club. Alex Finn, uh, welcome back to the Arscast. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about wh- why it is um, that you wrote this book about Arsenal and your connection to the club a little bit as well. Well, um, I've been fortunate enough to, to get involved in football. Um, once upon a time, when I used to be important, I worked at Saatchi and Saatchi, and people used to think that they had all the answers, and the football authorities thought the same. So they they involved the agency, and I got my first involvement in football. Firstly, as a result of um, Tottenham requiring some help. So that's why people erroneously think I'm a Tottenham fan, because um, my reputation perhaps as being a football consultant started with giving advice to Tottenham. And my, my view is that um, I like those clubs who treat me well, and I don't really have time for those who don't treat me well. And on that basis, um, uh, Tottenham have no place in my life anymore. Uh, I don't think they'd even give me a job as a rat catcher. Arsenal, on the other hand, um, have always treated me well, and I have worked for them, giving them advice on media and marketing. And I was involved particularly um, perhaps holding their hand when they decided to break away. I was acting as a consultant to the FA, but I also advised Arsenal. So... I had maybe a foot in both camps when the Premier League was created. 
So subsequently, I got to know a lot of the main protagonists very well. Um, David Dean I'd known for many years, and through David, I got to know other board members. And also, I have the good fortune to be a neighbor and first an acquaintance and maybe even a friend now of Arsene Wenger. So I'm able to say certain things to these gentlemen, perhaps because I'm not involved directly with the club in the way that other people can't. In other words, I feel I can challenge them. And out of that has come the desire, really, to write a book. Mm. I certainly couldn't do it on my own because, although I might have the contacts, I don't have the depth of knowledge that, for example, Kevin Witcher has. Kevin's a true fan. Um, he understands the machinations that really uh, move the club, both on the playing side and outside. I have perhaps the breadth of knowledge and access to places such as the boardroom that he doesn't. So I would like to think it's a happy combination. The last time we spoke, um, we talked about um, Arsene Wenger, and obviously you, you've explained the, the relationship that you have with him. And uh, I think it was at a rather difficult moment for the club when things weren't going necessarily as well as, as Arsene would have liked or fans would have liked for that matter as well. And the, and the issue that came up was the spending or the lack of spending or the lack of investment in the squad. And, and the one thing that I, I remember very clearly from that conversation was the fact that you said Arsene had, a, had identified uh, the center of his defense as an area uh, that he really needed to um, to reinforce, you might say. Um, it, it's interesting then that this summer, despite the fact that uh, a lot of money has been raised through the sales of Adi Bayor and Colo Touré, that the only signing that we have made is is Thomas Vermaelen, uh, the center half from Ajax. Yes, uh, you're spot on. Um, and I think that he has changed his way of looking at it. Last year... He had a target, um, a precise central defender, um, someone rather in the um, uh, Campbell mold rather than in the Vermeulen mold, um, you know, a big, strapping, um, six-foot-five central defender. He couldn't get him. And this year, um, he's changed his way of looking at things. Last year, because he couldn't get who he absolutely wanted, he decided to settle for who he had, which palpably didn't work. Um, Gallus and Torre did not make an effective combination. So he's lowered his sights. If he can't get exactly who he wants, he certainly is going to get someone who will bring, bring the best out of Gallus and also will be a, a considerable force in his own right. Vermeulen may not be six foot five, but the Gallus and Vermeulen combination looks very good. Mm. And I think it's to Arsene's credit that he's said, well, if I can't get exactly who I want, then I will settle for someone who's better than who I've got. Mm. And, but the, the, the question then would be, uh, the next obvious question for a lot of Arsenal fans would be, why didn't he then apply that to, to the midfield that he's got? Because many feel still that there's, there's a little um, gap there, particularly in the defensive midfielder role uh, that, that could have been filled and maybe should have been filled to give the squad a bit more depth going into this season. Well, I, I agree. I think most Arsenal fans would, uh, would actually highlight that. Um, and I have asked him about that, and he really ducks the issue. And, and I would find that very surprising because um, the first person he bought was Vieira before he even arrived. Um, 
he then uh, always realized that it was very important to have um, a very strong central midfield player so that defense begins in the midfield. And he's gone away from that. And he finds it, I think, because he isn't challenged, certainly not on the playing side, or certainly not until Ivan Gazidis has arrived. He certainly um, feels that it's very difficult for him to admit mistakes. I think that um, uh, Flamini going and not being replaced and then having Gilberto and allowing him to go because he didn't feel he was coming up to scratch. If we were able now for, for Arsene to look at the situation as it was then, then I don't think he would have let Gilberto go hmm. because he is now more of a pragmatist than he was two years ago, all of which does not answer the question, which is what uh, you and many other fans can see, that there is no Vieira-type player, no even Flamini or Gilberto-type player, and uh, come the winter, Arsenal's going to need one. Hmm. Well, we do We do have Alex Song. I think the point is that not, not many people expected the progression he made, and of course there's the issue of him going away for the African Cup of Nations, or if he picks up an injury, there's no, no obvious candidate to step into that role but um, well, well that was the point that i was i was making um yeah. or implying um that you know that the resources were going to be um lessened when the african cup of nations comes along but yeah. arson would say well i told you so about song he was going to make it he did and he would therefore feel that uh, his judgment was right and most of the fans feeling that he desperately needed a holding midfield were wrong mm. Um, he's obviously acutely aware of how important this particular season is. Um, maybe the the uh, the incident, which is spelled out in the book very well, at the the uh, the shareholders meeting last season, when it got a bit a bit confrontational, um, when maybe it shouldn't have. He must be aware of. Uh, the expectations not only of the fans but of the shareholders and everyone else around the club and given the fact that he hasn't gone out and said right I'm going to buy this player that player that he must truly actually believe that this group of players is capable of winning the league or winning an important trophy this season uh, I think he there is certainly an element of that but there's also another element which is um, that he doesn't have the money in order to buy the top-class players that he maybe in his heart of hearts feels that he desperately needs. Mm. Um, you know, the, the board have never said to him, in David Dean's words, Arsene, tell me how much money you need to win the Champions League. Rather, they've probably said to him, um, Arsene, uh, this is how much you've got. Can you win the Champions League on that? And mm. he's probably said yes. I think I can. Um, you know, maybe not this year, but we've got vast potential and it's coming through and you will be pleasantly surprised. And the board have said, well, thank you very much. It's the answer that they wanted to hear um, because, of course, financial problems um, actually beset them at the moment. Hmm. That is a, it is an issue, obviously, the the, the 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 property crash and and given that so much of the uh the new stadium and all that financing was was uh tied up in that how badly do you think it's hamstringing him um when he does want to go into the transfer market well i th i think that there's a natural reluctance for him to spend money um 
you know, he, he jokingly replied when Danny Fisman said to him about a year ago, uh, what, what would you do if we gave you 100 million? And he said, I would promptly give it to you back. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, the, um, the bar has been raised now. Um, there have always been rich people in football, um, but until Roman Abramovich arrived, no one has spent so much so quickly and to such effect. And now it's been raised even further than that with the arrival of the Abu Dhabi Development Corporation at Manchester City. So he feels that he's fighting an uphill battle, and the way to fight that battle is not to try and compete with them, because he can't. Uh, If he can't compete with them, he'll be more pragmatic than he was, and he's learned that from last year. Last year he said confidentially, I've never worked so hard or been criticized so much. And he felt the criticism was unfair. With some reflection in the summer, he now has taken a more pragmatic view. And I think he feels that, uh, well, uh, so long as we can see some definite progress, then we're going to get there in the end. And we're going to get there my way, which is that I will spend, and I will spend when I have to, but only when I have to. Mm. And it is an interesting point you make about him not spending money anyway. I think if you go back and look at the figures, his net spend, even when um, there weren't problems financially you know, at the club, uh, f- the finances might have been more limited, but his net spend back then wasn't, wasn't that big either. Absolutely right. And in, in fact, the, um, the board are so pleased that his expertise in player trading year on year proves very profitable. Um, no, you know, even last year we had um, sales of Hleb to Barcelona, Hoyt to Middlesbrough, as well as the, the sell-on benefit from Bentley. Mm. And of course, this year there have been the huge financial uh, inputs from the sale of Abadayor and Torre. Mm. And the board are, are rubbing their hands with glee that here's a man who n- not only um, treats their money as his own, but won't even spend it when given the keys to the safe. Um, the reluctance to spend, maybe a, he is a frugal man um, in, in most regards, you know, particularly when, he, when it comes to spending. And he seems to have uh, a conscientiousness about the situation that Arsenal are in, about spending money. But is it necessarily his job to, to worry about things uh, quite so much in, in that regard, that the financial side of things is maybe something that, that uh, should be quite separate from him. I know he's got to work within budgets, etc., etc., and he's he's been involved in the stadium. But the arrival of Ivan Gazidis, um, in the book you, you, you say he's someone who can who can challenge Arsene Wenger um, and is maybe part of his his role now, Ivan Gazidis, to, to, to look after things that aren't necessarily the football manager's job. Yes, um, it's a good point. Um, I I don't want to sound arrogant, but I got the feeling that because I don't have any connection with the club directly and because I know him well enough, that that I was asking him certain things and challenging him on certain things that that nobody else did. I don't think Pat Rice ever challenged him. Um, I don't think David Dean ever did. David Dean wasn't um, his partner. He was really his sidekick. As Arsene put it, he did my dirty work for me. Arsene never really liked dealing with agents. Um, so D- David Dean enjoyed the, the cut and thrust of negotiation and was very good at it. So they worked very well together. 
But Dean was never a challenger. I once asked Hillwood, have you ever known David Dean to disagree with Arsene Wenger? And he shot back, never. Hmm. Ivan Gazidis is, is of different metal. Ivan Gazidis comes from a background whereby um, the administrator is all important. And if you have... Hey, y'all, it's Matt Marr here, a.k.a. Maddie, And Poodle, a.k.a. Jake Anthony. And we host the podcast 90 Day Gays. We sure do. And Poodle, I'm excited because Christmas is here. Aren't you excited? With Best Christmas Ever on AMC Plus, every day feels like it's Christmas morning. Oh, wow. They got all my favorites. The year without a Santa Claus. You know, I've always felt a kinship to Heatmiser. He was just misunderstood. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And y'all, AMC Plus is available on all your devices. So celebrate the best Christmas ever anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply have a sympathetic administrator, and I believe he is that type, then he certainly won't ride roughshod over the playing side, but he will ask him some questions and take some responsibilities away from him. And as he said, um, you know, somewhat um, pointedly, um, Arsene is under the same pressures as every other person in his position. What people have taken that to mean is every other manager I don't think Gazidis meant that. He meant everybody who has done so much for such a club that obviously they have a lot of leeway, but he is still under some pressure, and he will be put under pressure perhaps for the first time and for the right reasons by Mr. Gazidis. Um, he is restructuring things behind the scenes. Have you have you met him? Your impressions of him? I yes, spoke to I him, have and met I thought... him, and I know him quite well, mm. and I think he's a terrific guy. Um, And I I said two things, actually. Um, One I can tell you about, and and the other um, I can't. But one thing I I said, well, take this as flattery if you wish, but um, you're the best thing that happened to Arsenal, um, and it's uh, better late than never. Um, What they need is direction behind the scenes, because, quite frankly, to have a successful business, you've first of all got to have a successful team, and the two are interdependent. And whereas I think Gazidis understands that, I don't think the current board put too much priority on it. The other point I told him concerns um, the way certain departments were operating, and, and that was said in confidence. But mm. strangely enough, I think he appreciated it. The the situation at boardroom level is um, is probably the most difficult it's been uh, in Arsenal's history, certainly in, in recent memory. Um, I think Gazidis is maybe playing. Uh, he's the the guy in the middle between the two between the two factions. I suppose you could call them. You said you've spoken to or, or had dealings with Lady Nina Bracewell Smith. Her shareholding yeah. is going to be absolutely crucial. 
in terms of, of the future of this club. Can you offer any insight into what might happen here? Um, I, I can tell you that um, when we spoke, which would have been, a, um, let's say, about a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, um, she was still feeling acrimonious in the way that she'd been treated. Um, I tried to, um, well, I hope people don't think I was sort of interfering, but I tried to act as a mediator, suggesting that um, the board were equally upset. And indeed, I know that Hillwood was perturbed in the way that um, events turned out and she left in the way that she did. He feels that um, she was offered several olive branches, but felt that um, you know, they weren't of sufficient status. Uh, to someone who was, she believed, because of her shareholding, an important director. Um, I think with the arrival of Ivan Gazidis, there's been some rapprochement. So I think that um, even looking at her shares outside the um, influence of the board, the board felt that um, although they had a minority shareholding, they had nearer 50% as made no difference and the shares that were outside their influence in terms of Lady Nina Bracewell-Smith and Alicia Usmanov, um, they didn't worry too much about that. They were sanguine enough to feel that with the shares that we have on the board and those of our friends, that we will be able to see off any predator. I think, though, that notwithstanding that point of view, they have made some rapprochement with Lady Nina, and she is closer to the board again than she has been for some time. So we, well, at least I would be most surprised if her shares went to a hostile bidder. Mm, I mean, there is a lot of talk as well that, you know, that it would be a friendly bidder or, or someone friendly to uh, Ali Shuruzmanov. Um, Red and white holdings obviously are still are still there. They have a significant shareholding. Do we know if David Dean is still involved um, with Red and White? I know there was uh, some talk that that he had uh, he had left the company because of the the difficulties between the current board and him. Do we know if he's still involved? Um, David Dean is uh, discreet to the point of being paranoid. Okay. And he will justify that by saying, well, just because I'm paranoid, not that he would admit it, um, it doesn't mean they aren't out to get me. <laughs> the point being that he doesn't tell you anything, but reading between the lines, he has now taken other things on board. Um, he is ambitious, but he has always loved Arsenal. Arsenal has been the most important thing in his life next to his family. Um, his problem was one of the fact that he always acted by what he felt was his Arsenal's best interests. But that doesn't necessarily mean he always acted in the right way, which is why he became vulnerable and eventually expendable. What he does now, because he has always been ambitious as well, is that um, he's very keen to keep up his UEFA and FIFA affiliations. So not only would he be the beneficiary at big events in terms of corporate hospitality, but more important than that, he is, um, or his advice is sought out. He sits on one or two committees. He's doing more and more um, uh, conference speaking, both in terms of football and for corporate. So I think you can see from all of that, uh, whilst he's keeping himself busy 
uh, with football, politics and business. In terms of Arsenal, he's on the outside looking in. He has very strong views and um, he probably makes them known to Arsene now. And it's a strange situation because not only were the two of them close colleagues and worked together very well uh, to the benefit of the club, but they have become close friends. And yet here we have Arsene, um, who is working in a way that his close friend David Dean suggests is with one hand tied behind his back. As David puts it reasonably eloquently, um, the time is running out, whereas Arsene can take, uh, sorry, the time for rabbits and hats is running out for Arsene. In other words, um, and I, I don't do David Dean any favors by not remembering his quote correctly, but the point being that the magician is running out of tricks and I wonder what goes on between them, that Arsene would hear David's constant refrain, you need more money, you need to spend it, because nobody is standing still, apart from Arsenal, in terms of spending. And Arsenal, on the other hand, hasn't acceded to that point of view one iota. Mm. I have to say that, of course, uh, all that is uh, the David Dean and his departure is covered uh, in detail in the book uh, Arsenal, the making of a modern super club. Alex, we've got to leave it there, but thank you very much. It's fascinating and I uh, hope to have you on again soon. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My thanks to Alex Finn. The book is Arsenal, the making of a modern super club, co-written by Alex and the editor of the Gooner, Kevin Witcher. Uh, the paperback edition is just out. If you haven't already read it, it is a, a very, very interesting book, I have to say. Uh, there's four additional chapters in this paperback edition, which covers stuff like the arrival of Ivan Gazidis and that uh, stormy shareholders meeting towards the end of last season when Arsene took umbrage, you might say, at some of the comments directed at the players. Uh, there's a very detailed account of it there, and um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting read. Um, if you haven't already got the book, you can purchase it through Ars Blog. Have a look at the blog today. You'll find a link to the publisher's website through which you can purchase the book using the code ROCKY, uh, and if you do that, you get one pound off the cover price. So there you go. Of course, you're all sitting here waiting to find out how do you win copies of the book. And not just copies of the book, signed copies by Arsene Wenger. Okay, well, I'll tell you how to do that. We've got three of those signed copies to give away. There's a question which you need to answer. The question is, name all the clubs that Arsene Wenger has managed in his career. Name all the clubs that Arsene Wenger has managed in his career. Send your answer to competition at arseblog.com. That's competition at arseblog.com. On next week's show, the random number generator will pick three of those entries, and those three people will get a copy of this fantastic book signed by Arsene Wenger himself. A real, real collector's item. And thank you again to, uh, to Alex, to Kevin, and the publishers for providing that prize. Now, before we go too much further, let's stop for a nice, refreshing poem. Hello, everyone. Tony Adams here with more poems on the Arscast. Today's poem is about Colo and Eddie Bayor. It is not called Colo by all, and it goes a little bit like this. Colo, your name, your backflip, a dusky boy, make me feel complicit in exotic joy. Foamy happiness entwined with truculent bliss, your terrible free kicks, a verdant miss. Added by all, the yin, the your yang, 
One might be Chung, but then who can be Wang? Grandiose ego, all from playing up front. I just hope you fail, you unspeakable cunt. Thank you very much. Right then, we can start looking ahead to the game tomorrow against Manchester City. Big spending Manchester City, as they're known. Utter cunts big spending Manchester City, as they should be known. Utter cunts big spending managed by that elbowy bastard Mark Hughes, Manchester City. They could be known. But that's a bit long. But we travel to the Middle Eastlands tomorrow, looking to pick ourselves up after another defeat in Manchester just a couple of weeks ago. So we need to put that right. We need to put that to bed. We've also got a little bit of revenge on our minds because the game against Manchester City last season was torturous. It was truly a a thing of horror. It was awful. I don't have words to describe it. Imagine if I had a vomit, a vomit out my arse sound effect. Imagine if I had one of those. I'd play that now. It was so bad it was a Phil Collins song. That's how bad that game was that time. 3-0 they beat us and it could have been 5. And that's no exaggeration. It could have been 6 or 7. So we kind of owe them one for that. Uh, of course we'll see some some old Arsenal players there. I was going to say old friends. But really, when you think about it, only one of them is an old friend. Colo gave a lot of uh, good years to Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, his head got turned a bit at the end, didn't it, by all that money. Here, Colo, have a billion million pounds a week. (laughs) What am I going to do? I think I better just take the money. Uh, But (sighs) that he left under those circumstances, and they weren't the most acrimonious circumstances, let's face it. He just wanted more money, a new challenge. Arsene Wenger was prepared to let him go and do that. Absolutely fine. Uh, And I think the reception that he's afforded by the travelling fans will reflect the standing in which he's held by Arsenal fans. We appreciate everything that he did for the club and will treat him accordingly. Now, Adibayor, on the other hand, I'm not sure he's going to get quite as good a reception as Colo. He blew it last summer, absolutely blew it last summer, and uh, really didn't do an awful lot to make it better. There are those that will think he just left because he wanted more money. I think that was a factor. Arsene Wenger said, no, he's not a guy who's just greedy for money. And he said it with a straight face, too. I mean, I think there was a a sense that his um, position at Arsenal had become untenable. But that was because he was going looking for more money. And talking about Barcelona and AC Milan and BBC Football Focus and all that stuff. So while I think he would have gone anywhere to get away from Arsenal... I think it's also fair to say that money was uh, a big motivating factor in the way that in the way that he behaved. You see, um, so the reception that he gets from the traveling fans, I, I don't think it'll be as good as the one Colo gets. To be honest, he's on fire at the moment. Arsene Wenger said, and it's up to us to put out that fire. Yes, indeed, it is. I think if we play a decent uh, offside line. Chances are he's not going to score. Unless they've managed to teach him something in six weeks in Manchester uh, that he didn't learn in three years at Arsenal. It's going to be a big, uh, important, difficult game because they're a good team. They've spent a huge amount of money. They've got much, much better players than they did last season. Nevertheless, we owe them something and we need to pick ourselves up and get ourselves back on track after uh, the defeat at Old Trafford. Injury news. 
It seems all the French players have come back okay. Uh, Andre Arshavin has not come back okay. Arsene Wenger unhappy, uh, saying he shouldn't have played against Wales. Uh, I didn't see the Wales game, but people said he played the whole the whole game. Didn't seem to have picked up uh, any injury. And, uh, you know, while all the ire, I suppose, will be um, put upon Goose Hitting for picking him, I, I think I linked to something during the week where Hitting said, well, it's up to Arshavin. If he's fit or not, it's down to him to say. So, while maybe the manager might have been a little more cautious, if your best player says to you, yes, I am fit, you're going to pick him, aren't you? So a little bit of this has to go on Arshavin for saying he's fit if he wasn't. He's now going to miss Man City the Standard Liège game and the Wigan game at least. Um, which is bad news for us because he's, a, he's an important player. He hasn't necessarily really got going this season. But uh, yeah, it's bad news. And a little bit frustrating, I think, that he, that he decided he was okay to play for Russia and is now out for three games for us. I know there's loyalty to your country and everything, but we're the ones that pay your wages. Your wages might not be as high as you would like, but nevertheless, we pay them. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Why don't players, when they're injured... Now, you know when Cesc missed the Manchester United game, why didn't why didn't we just pull him out of the Spanish squad? And why, when we knew Arshavin was injured, why did we let him go away on international duty? Can't you just say, he's injured, here's a doctor's note, fuck off, he's not going with you. So that's that injury news. Apart from that, I don't think there's anybody else in, in big trouble, uh, which is good to hear. We'll find out more tomorrow when Arsene talks to the official site and we'll get the full squad list, I'm sure, uh, for the game. In Arshavin's absence, I suppose we could play uh, Bentner and uh, Van Persie and Eduardo up top. Although maybe we could look for, you know, internal solutions like this guy. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. I'm hoping to make my first appearance of the season against Manchester City. I have, how do you say, the itchy bottom from sitting on the bench all the time. But with Arshavin out injured and no fear workout, I say to the boss, I can solve your problem up front, boss. I can play as a striker. I can play as a winger. You know, I can even play in the hole. The boss turned to me and said, I know the kind of hole you like to play in. And I tell you something, they won't win us a game of football. Oh, That was Sylvester, and he'll be back on another Arsecast in the very near future, no doubt. Now, the final thing to talk about tonight is the fact that UEFA have confirmed Arsenal are appealing against uh, the ban on Eduardo. They say Arsenal FC have appealed against a two-match ban. That's what I just said. They say the UEFA appeals body will hear the case on Monday 14th of September at UEFA headquarters in Switzerland, at which point Eduardo's ban will be trebled and his right leg hacked off at the knee for frivolous appealinizationalisms. I, I think that's what it says. It's one of, those, one of those fancy words. I don't know fancy words like that. Anyway, we'll worry about that when the time comes. For now, though, we've got to get ready for Manchester City, and after that the games come thick and fast like... No.
It's a family website. I am absolutely not going there. Plenty of fixtures to worry about in the near future. The only one that matters right now, though, is tomorrow's game against Manchester City. Three points for the Arsenal. Togoni in tears. That's what we want. Come on. Uh, let's uh, let's hope it all goes well. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for all that. So until uh, the next Arscast, I'll talk to you all next week on the blog. Cheerio. season treat yourself treat yourself to candy celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply